Thank you for listening to the Collective Church Podcast. Collective is a church for the rest of us, which means if you've never been to church, walked away from the church, or are struggling to find a church to connect with, you belong here. There are so many great things going on at Collective right now, so make sure you are following us on social media at My Collective Church to stay in the loop. Now let's get into Sunday's message. Happy birthday, Collective! We are officially six years old, and what's crazy is that on this exact day six years ago, we started this church in the gym of West Frederick Middle School. (laughs) We're clapping because we're no longer in West Frederick Middle School. Uh, That day, we pulled a 24-foot trailer. We had about 8,000 pounds of gear and a team of 40 people, and we turned that school into a collective church and waited to see if anyone would show up. Uh, And to this day, I'm still surprised that people did. Uh, Now, six years later, we celebrate all that God has done. We celebrate marriages that have been healed and addictions that have been broken, community that's been found, impacts made, prayers answered, faith restored, and so much more. We had no idea what God had in store for Collective when we launched this church on September 17th in 2017. We're so thankful for everything that God has done and that we know he will continue to do. And so today, we take time to celebrate. We step back to honor God for all that he's done the past year in this church and in our lives. And so to celebrate today, after service, uh, we have cupcakes for everyone. This is kind of a yearly tradition for us. I don't know if it's going to be inside or outside. I don't know if it's raining anymore. Uh, If the rain stops, it's outside. If it's, it's still raining, it'll be on the inside. After first service, everybody was saying birthday cake was the best cupcake, so maybe give that one a shot. We do have moon bounces um, and glitter tattoos for the kids, again, It's your risk, so you can do it. Um, We have inflatable football and basketball challenges for both kids and adults. We have people doing that in the rain. You can do that. Um, I expect to see you guys showing off your skills a little bit. We also, in the lobby, have a video set up where we would love for you to just take a few moments to share why you love Collective um, and the impact that this church has had in your life. Uh, and, And the last thing is this. After years of me promising that we would never do this, we do have a gift for everyone. We have bumper stickers. I'm getting soft in my old age. Uh, For six years, people have asked for bumper stickers, and for six years, I've been adamant that we would never do this because I know how you all drive. (laughs) I don't need Collective getting bad reviews on Google or Yelp because someone with a Collective sticker flicked them off in traffic, okay? I don't control that, but people think I do. And six years in, I have changed my mind, and here's why. I hate driving around Frederick and seeing other churches' bumper stickers all over cars and not seeing ours, okay? My competitive nature is coming out. I want to see collective stickers all over cars in Frederick and beyond. And so the stickers are going to be out in the lobby. Uh, We have different versions. We have a white version. We have a black version. Pick yours. Rock it on your car. And maybe try not to be too aggressive. Maybe, Maybe just tone it down just a little bit, please. Like, I'm not saying stop honking at people if they're driving poorly. Keep honking, okay? People need that gentle reminder. I'm just saying maybe keep the middle finger inside the car, okay? Just leave the windows rolled up while you do this. I don't know if I'm going to put one on my truck because I'm not sure (laughs) if I want that. Um, But we have those for you guys finally. I I caved. So every year as a church, we celebrate our birthday in a big way. And if you grew up in a church, you might think this is a little weird. If you're new to church, you might think this is a little weird. Why would a church celebrate a birthday, especially one um, as random as the sixth? Well, let me explain uh, why we make the decision every single year to make this a big day for us. Uh, It's because life is so busy. We are so busy as people that we often lose sight of how far we've come as people. 
Right? We do that in our own lives, and we do that in the church as well. This is busy. You know, we do this every single week, but we never want to lose sight of how far God has brought us. And so our birthday every single year is this intentional pause where we step back and we look at all the growth and all the life change and all the impact over the past year. Now think about the video that our media team put together that we just watched, which somehow summed up six years of collective in in three minutes. But you see that we started in a middle school, and then because of COVID, we did a year, 52 weeks of being online then we moved into this building, and then in 2022, we expanded our collective kids space. Right? We never want to forget that whole story. We never want to forget where we started because we're so focused on where we're going. And this is biblical, by the way. Throughout the Old Testament of the Bible, the Israelites had a spiritual practice of pausing and remembering. Now, today, this is definitely, I think, an underrated and ignored spiritual discipline because the hustle culture that we live in, but for the Israelites, when God brought them through a hard season, when God gave them victory in a battle, when they could feel the presence of God in their lives, they would stop. What they would do is they would set up a memorial or a monument made out of stone so they could always see a visual reminder of what God had done. We see this in Genesis 28. Jacob sets up a monument in Bethel to commemorate a dream that he had where God spoke to him and promised him to bless his family that Jacob's descendants would spread throughout the world and God would be with them and protect them. And Jacob did not want to forget that promise, and so he grabbed a stone and he set it up as a pillar so he could always remember in Bethel, that is where God gave him that dream. In Joshua 4, one of my favorite stories in the Bible, God commands the Israelites to cross the Jordan River during flood season. And while the Israelites are afraid, they step into the rushing water, and when they step into the water, trusting God, that is when the water stops. When they get to the other side, God tells them to set up a memorial in the middle of the dry river, and he says this. He says, in the future, your children will ask you, what do these stones mean? Then you can tell them. They remind us that the Jordan River stopped flowing when the Ark of the Lord's Covenant went across. These stones will stand as a memorial among the people of Israel forever. And then in 1 Samuel 7, the Israelites are under attack from the Philistines. God leads them to victory, and so Samuel finds a large stone. He names it Ebenezer, meaning the stone of help. Because Samuel knew that the victory was because of God. And so he set up this monument to remember that it wasn't because of what they could do, but it's because of God's faithfulness to them. And so the Israelites would set up these memorials as reminders that God was with them when they needed him, that God protected them, that he strengthened them, that he held them up, that he taught them a better way to live, that he delivered them from the hands of their enemies and that he blessed them. And so that is what we do every single year when we celebrate our birthday. It's us creating a monument, creating a pause in our lives to look back over the last 12 months so we don't lose sight of just how far God has brought us. And so what we're going to do with the rest of our time today is we're going to do that. We're going to celebrate the last 12 months, and then we're going to look toward the future. And we're going to do that while reading something that Paul wrote to challenge the church in Ephesus that I, still, uh, that I think rings true for Collective right now. I think it's something that we need to hear and it's going to be a little bit shorter today to give you some more time, but let's start by looking back. Uh, now, I say this every year because it's just been true every year. Last year might have been the best 12 months in the history of Collective, but instead of starting today with all the great things that happened, I think it's time to share one of the biggest mistakes we have ever made in the history of this church that took place just a few months ago. In the spring of this year, I had this brilliant idea of doing a giant paint-by-numbers as a church. This was a terrible idea. 
I still have nightmares about this project. We were in a series called Inspired By, where we were teaching through Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. We are using famous works of art to help us see and visualize and illustrate the story. And we purchased this massive paint by numbers and encouraged everyone before and after service to paint a little bit. And our plan was to have it done by Easter. Now, in my mind, I thought this would take about 40 combined hours. I have no idea why I thought that. I was so confident that I made a bet with some friends because they were like, this will take hundreds of hours. I was like, I could do it in 10 hours. And so we bet them Thatcher and Rye for dinner. We lost that dinner. Um, this is the last picture from, that we took of this before Easter. Uh, this is after second service. Before. We weren't even close. Uh, we were just in full panic mode. Combined, this project took over 500 hours. <laughs> we had people in this building at six o'clock in the morning painting. We had people coming in, taking time off from work <laughs> to paint this thing, <laughs> coming in at night to try to get this thing done by Easter. But here's the bigger thing that I underestimated with this project. Some of you all could not paint in the lines to save your lives. <laughs> One of the hardest things about the project was going back through and repainting what some of you guys could, you missed that day in kindergarten. We could not figure it out. Some people were like, is this how you do paint by numbers? We're like, oh my gosh, this is killing us. And so I just assumed, collective, you guys are great at everything. Not this, okay? <laughs> some of you, this is like your hobby during the day. Don't do this. Find a new hobby. Paint by numbers isn't your thing. This is easily top five terrible idea in the history of collective. My staff will never let me live this down. Um, it's up there with us deciding that we wanted to paint this whole building by ourselves when we first moved in. Um, and uh, equally terrible, putting beanbag chairs in the warehouse thinking our K through third graders would use them appropriately. It took one month and those things were gone. They are no longer back there. Uh, somehow they're strong enough to lift them and throw them at each other, so they're gone. <laughs> All right, so let, now let's celebrate. Um, over the past 12 months, we've experienced so many amazing things. I, I think the biggest thing is that in November of last year, we opened up the new collective kids space. Uh, we went from having 2,500 square feet to 5,500 square feet for our birth through fifth graders. And along with that came um, what I think is the most important part of that space back there, which is our fourth and fifth grade room. Uh, for kids that are getting ready to move into middle school, it is such a big deal. Um, those kids are going through so many hard things in life, so now we have a room just for them where they get to talk about their faith and what's going on in their lives. Um, in less than a year, we've seen it. Right? These kids are going through tough things, they're experiencing hard things, and they have a space just for them. When we opened this space last November, one of the things that um, we said was that it was a little bit of a risk. You know, at the time, we had about 75 kids split between two services, so it was too much space, not enough kids. Uh, today, we're averaging 115 kids, and the space is well-used and very well-loved. They're asking me for more space. It does not exist. We're just going to keep shoving kids back there. Uh, here's a few other things that we get to celebrate today. In the spring of this year, we did our first giving series since 2021, and we talked about how our heart follows our money. And so many people decided to put their heart into the things of God. Since that series, over 75 individuals and families have given for the first time, increased their giving, or set up recurring giving. And I know that churches hate, uh, or people hate when churches talk about money, but this is something that we should celebrate because of how generous this church is. Right? Nothing determines the future of a church better than the generosity of its people. And I would say that our future is really bright. And because of that, we were able to make a bigger impact, and we know, we know good things are happening. In the last 52 weeks, we have celebrated 34 baptisms, and that includes our 150th as a church. 
We launched the Your Story Matters podcast for the past 47 weeks. People have sat down, they've shared the stories of their lives, the highs and the lows and how they felt God through it all. People in this church have shared incredible stories about marriages being saved, addictions being broken, wounds from their childhood being healed. They've shared about pain and grief and feeling God through all of that. People have shared about how they've spent the majority of their lives incarcerated, but through Jesus, they have been forgiven and redeemed, and their lives couldn't be any more different. There have been stories of faith and taking next steps, people getting baptized, stories about trusting God even when the outcome has been unclear. So shameless plug, if you haven't listened to your Story Matters podcast yet, you really should. It speaks a lot more about this church than anything I'll say today. Over the past year, you all have purchased and donated over 30,000 pounds of food and over 7,900 hygiene and household products for local organizations. At the Christmas toy drive last December, you all brought in 400 plus toys, which doubled the total of the previous five years. This summer, we sent 17 kids or teenagers to the Christ in Youth Conference, many of whom came back and took next steps to join Youth Collective on Wednesday nights to start serving, and a lot of them are wrestling with the decision to get baptized right now. In the past 12 months, we've given away over $50,000 to church plants on the East Coast, including Renew Church that started last week in Durham, North Carolina, and Local Church that's launching today, right now, in Ashland, Virginia. We have more people in groups, more people serving, more people inviting than ever, and those are just the things that are quantifiable, right? Those are just the things that we can look at right now. But what we know is every single day, lives are being changed in this church because of God, because of how good he is. The thing is, we have this tendency in our lives and in the church that when we get to a good place, right, when we get to that healthy place, when we go through that hard season, we do that hard work, when we are thriving, we have this tendency to anchor ourselves where we're at and stop moving forward. It's almost like we like to plateau ourselves because we feel like it's safer up on that plateau. But the Israelites, when they put down these memorials, it wasn't to stay there. It wasn't to stay safe. It wasn't to build a church or an altar around that place. It was to say, this is how far God has brought us. So as we move forward, we can always look back. And so that is what we want to do. We want to keep moving forward, knowing that if God has brought us this far, there's still so much more ahead of us. And this is where the letter from Paul comes into play. The book of Ephesians in the New Testament is a letter that Paul wrote to a church in Ephesus. And the church in Ephesus was a lot like collective. It was a messy church. It was a broken church. Really, it was a church for the rest of us. There were people who had walked away from faith, people who had no experience with faith, or people who kind of grew up in a religious area or religious culture, but they were trying to figure it out for themselves. And so Paul writes this letter to this church to remind them why they exist, but to also challenge them to keep moving forward. And so we're gonna pick that letter up in Ephesians 3, starting in verse 14. And it says this, Paul writes, when I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in the heaven and the earth. Now when Paul says, when I think of all this, what he's referencing is thinking about all these people that are in that city, or that are in that church, that are in that community, who are getting the opportunity to experience grace and in the second chances because that church exists. Right before he said this, he talks about this dream that God gave him to reach the Gentile people, the non-Christian people. And like, this is his joy. Because more than anything, Paul wanted lost people to be found. More than anything, he wanted to share the good news of Jesus with every single person. This was his life's mission. So he shares this prayer, and he says that his prayer is that as many people as possible bump into Jesus and learn that grace and forgiveness and hope and peace are real. 
He continues in verse 16, he says, I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. One of the best things that I saw from week one of the NFL season, other than the commanders winning, wanna know, uh, but one of the best things I saw was this interview with a linebacker for the New Orleans Saints named Demario Davis. And it's a requirement that if you're in the NFL, you have to talk to the media after the game. If you don't talk to the media, you get fined. Um, But they're allowed to talk about whatever they want. So typically, they talk football. But last weekend, Demario chose to talk about his faith in Jesus. And he shared this verse, Revelation 3.20. It says, look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in, and we will share a meal together as friends. Here's what this means. Jesus is knocking. It doesn't matter how sinful we are. It doesn't matter how many doubts we have. It doesn't actually matter if we believe. Jesus is there, and he's knocking on this door. He's trying to become a part of our lives. You don't have to seek him out. You don't have to pursue him. You don't have to convince him. You just have to open the door. And so what Paul is saying is that his prayer is that people open the door, that they put their faith in Jesus, that they let him be their leader and their savior. And that's our prayer as a church as well. The collective wasn't started six years ago for church people to do church things. Those churches already exist. Collective was started to carry out the mission of Jesus to seek and save the lost, to create space for people to bump into Jesus so their lives could be changed forever. And so if you are not a follower of Jesus or you walked away from faith years ago and you're trying to figure out what it looks like to come back to faith or you feel the same burden that Paul does, Collective was started for you. We want as many people as possible to put their faith in Jesus. We want as many people as possible to get baptized and put to death their old life. We want as many people as possible to build their roots in God's love. That's Paul's dream, and that's our dream as well. And then Paul continues, and he says this. Uh, He says, and may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. Paul wants every single person to know just how much God loves them, meaning this isn't limited to a certain group of people. He's reminding them that this isn't just a message to the church in Ephesus, it's for their city. And so this isn't just a reminder for collective, it's for our city. Every single person should get the opportunity to feel God's love. And he continues, may you experience the love of Christ, though it's too great to understand fully, Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and the power that comes from God. One thing we try really hard to do at Collective is to communicate God's love. And we will describe it as unconditional. We'll say it's not based on what we've done or haven't done. We'll say that God's love never wavers. It's not inconsistent. Uh, His love for us is always 100. And the thing is, this is true for everyone. You follow Jesus, God loves you fully and completely. You don't follow Jesus, God loves you fully and completely. You have doubts, you walked away from your faith. God loves you fully and completely. You read your Bible, you serve him, you trust him. God loves you fully and completely. You feel unlovable. God loves you fully and completely. But what Paul is saying is that our understanding of this love still falls short of just how much he loves us. We think we understand God's love, but we only understand a small portion of it because God's love for you is bigger than you could ever imagine. It is deeper It is wider, it is more unconditional, more immense, more relentless, more reckless than we could ever fathom. 
And Paul wants this church to remember this. But he also wants to make sure the church shares this with the people in their community because everyone needs to know that God's love for them is so much bigger than they ever could imagine. And Paul continues in verse 20. He says, now, now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Another translation says this, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. God can do immeasurably more than what we could ask or imagine. Do you believe that? I know that I do because I've seen it. I've seen it in my life. I've seen it in many of your lives. I've seen it in this church. And so let me ask you again. Do you believe that God can do immeasurably more than what you could ask or imagine in your life, in your marriage, in your faith, in your self-confidence, in your healing, your recovery, your growth? Because he can. And when we dream about the future of this church, that's what we want. And it's not selfish to say this. We want immeasurably more. We want more lost people to be found. We want more marriages healed. We want more fears removed. We want more community found. We want more impact made. We want more hope and more peace and more joy and more grace. We don't want to be people or a church that enjoys what God has done in the past so much so that we refuse to keep going. This is the best year we have ever had, and it was an incredible year. But what Paul reminds us is that God can do more. And so the question is, what comes next for collective? I do have two big announcements for everyone today. The first is this. Before we ever started Collective, we have been investing in church planting. Uh, We do this financially, like I mentioned earlier. Um, I also coach church planters, and from time to time, churches actually come up to Collective and learn from my staff how we do things, why we do things, all of that. Um, And even though we've invested a lot in church planting, we've always felt the challenge to do more. And so this fall, actually in a few weeks, we're actually starting a church planting residency program where people who want to plant churches can actually spend 12 months at Collective learning how to do this. Uh, Our first resident will show up at the beginning of October. He will learn how to make an impact in a city, how to show people what grace and truth look like, how to start a church where people are real about their brokenness and what God is doing in their lives. And the next fall, we will send him and his family out to a new city somewhere uh, in in the Baltimore, D.C., a little bit south of Richmond area, and they will go and start a new church. Because we recognize that at Collective, we can only do so much as one church. But if we help start more, then more people can know about the love of God. Here's the second big announcement. Uh, We are very close to outgrowing this auditorium. We've been feeling that all summer. Um, So right after Christmas, actually on December 26th, we are gonna remove these walls. and We're pushing them both 10 feet to either side to create more space for people to experience Jesus. This will open it up to where we can put about 100 more seats in here. Uh, And really, all this does is buy us time before we have to be at three service as a church. And the thing is, we're not going to raise money for this. And I mentioned earlier just how generous this church is. Collective is so generous that we have it. It's in our savings so that we could say yes to more space for people to bump into Jesus. Now, here's the thing about these two big announcements. This is what we can't imagine. This is what we can fathom in our own minds. And so the hope is that God does immeasurably more than that. Those two things feel risky, but to God, they're not. Those are within our dreams. They're within the things that we understand that we can do. And God says he can do more. He can do more in this church. 
He can do more in our lives. He can do more in our marriages, our families, and our growth, all of it. And Paul finishes this section. He writes this in Ephesians 3.21. He says, glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever, amen. One of the things that Paul understood was that the church was going to bring hope to the world. And he knew that as a church, if they did not focus solely on themselves, but their community, the world would be different. And that's what we want. And so today we take time to celebrate and we dream today, we honor God, we give glory to God, we give thanks to God for everything he's done over the past 12 months, over the past six years. But tomorrow we keep going. We keep trusting God, we keep moving forward, ready for him to do immeasurably more. Because not only have we seen God do that in the past year, we've seen him do it in the past six. And the thing is, God's not done yet. God is not done with you, he's not done with me, he's not done in Frederick, he's not done with Collective. And truly, our dream and our hope and our understanding is that the best is yet to come. Let's pray. God, you've been so good to this church. God, we don't deserve any of the things that we've been able to be a part of or celebrate. God, we don't deserve the right to be a part of people's stories as they heal, as they grow closer to you. But God, you've allowed us to be. God, if you would have asked us six years ago what we thought collective would look like, this would be, had been way outside of our dreams, way outside of our understanding. God, this is immeasurably more than anything we could have asked for or imagined six years ago, five years ago, four years ago. But the thing we understand, God, is that this has been easy for you and really that our dreams just aren't big enough. And so, God, we're so thankful for what you've done, but we, we ask for immeasurably more. God, we ask for more hope. We ask for more peace, we ask for more healing, we ask for more grace, uh, more opportunities for new life, really more space so people can bump into you. And so God, as we celebrate today and we honor that today, God, help us also think about the future and what comes next. God, if you've done all this in six years, what do you wanna do in the next four? We can't even fathom it, but that's what we want. God, thank you for being so good to us. Thank you. Um, that all of this comes down to just how much you love us. And God, we feel like we have a good grasp on what that love feels like, and it's not even close. But God, help us also recognize that it's not just for us. It's for our city, it's for our communities, it's for our neighbors, it's for our friends. They need this. Really, they need immeasurably more. God, thank you for all that you do in this church. We can't uh, wait to celebrate again next year and see what you've done. We love you and pray these things in your name. Amen.